What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Not Gonna Lie. I'm joined here with my good friend, Kelvin Del Valle, who was actually here for the first episode. And now here we are. That's right. I forgot about that. We're, we're 14 episodes in, I think it is. So happy to have you on this one again. Yeah, I think we'll just... uh I'll come in in like segments. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Every 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 so often. Yeah, I'm, I'm back home, good old state of Texas. That's right. Enjoying some Texas food over spring break and obviously recording podcasts. So right now we're watching the Virginia Oregon game. Uh, we just got done watching the Tennessee Purdue game, which is a tough one for you. Yeah, it wasn't uh, wasn't really pretty, um, but it's okay. That team that team showed a lot of grit coming back and. Yeah. They got they got talent for next year. We'll be, we'll be fine. Ten, yeah, Tennessee's built to last for sure. We'll be fine. Uh, we we actually had a busy busy day today. We did regarding sports. So we were actually at Kelvin's radio show. Yeah, so uh, we were live for about two hours. Uh, we had a two hour radio show today. Um, me and my co host Alan, and then we had Jonathan on here on our show for a couple hours. We talked pretty much a little bit about everything yeah, um we covered just about every sport so yeah if you guys want to go like our facebook page it's the double clutch radio show you can find us on facebook there we share all the uh all the facebook live streams and stuff like that on there and if you want to go to the direct source it's uh joko community radio that's the facebook page you want to go to and there you can find all of our shows logged up as well too yeah. so and and i know what you're thinking now, Jonathan, we've we've listened to you on podcasts, but we'd love to see your face. Well, now you can. <laughs> now you can. Two hours of Two my hours. face and Kelvin's face and Alan's face. Correct. As we touch on almost every major sport. Yeah, and we are live every Thursday at 11 um, a.m. Central Time. So, yeah, it was a good time. Yeah, a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun, so make sure and check it out for sure. All right, so in the spirit of these uh, March Madness games, I just want to apologize really quick. To anyone who may have taken my advice on some of the sleepers that I put in, all four of the sleepers are, were out in the second round. They stayed asleep uh, and didn't quite make it through. But that that can't be all blamed on me. So out of the two two regions, the one through four seeds made it, made it all the way through. Correct. To those regions, yep. and then in the other two, the one through three seeds made it, and then Oregon number twelve made it. Right. Uh, and in Virginia's bracket, and then Auburn made it number five. Yeah. In UNC's bracket, so not a lot of, not a lot of upsets going deep into this tournament. And I thought going in, Auburn might have been ranked a little too low, and mm-hmm. that's saying a lot for a five seed because I saw them destroy my Volunteers in the SEC championship game, and I saw them how they played all year. They're, they're kind of like the Houston Rockets or the Warriors. They just shoot up tons of threes, mm-hmm. and if any one of their guys get going, it's kind of contagious. So no shock to me that Auburn is where they are. Yeah, no, it's it's been fun to watch, but there's definitely been a lot of those higher seeds that have just gone ice cold. Yeah, and uh, kind of driven some frustration into the hearts of fans hoping for a little bit of a different March Madness. Well, yeah, last year we had Loyola Chicago in the Final Four. Yeah, it was they were well, eleven in the Elite seed. Eight. It was what Loyola Chicago and Florida State, <laughs> yeah. eleven and a nine, which yeah. is just crazy. But this year. I mean, we're going to be lucky if we can, if a double digit seed can even make it to the Elite Eight. Yeah. This may not happen. Uh, Oregon's the only hope here left for the small guys. Yeah. So, so, so transitioning into here, we've kind of already alluded to some final four predictions. Why don't you go ahead and give me, uh, give me your, your championship. Let's start with championship and we'll work our way out. So who do you think right now, uh, from what you've seen in the tournament, uh, 
do you think can make it all the way? Uh, I think North Carolina is the best team in college basketball. I like that. Um, yeah, I'm okay with the Zion hype and the Duke hype, but we've seen them struggle um, when they can't make free throws. We've seen them struggle from beyond the three-point line. I mean, VCU, I, I mean, sorry, VCU, UCF, if you watch that game, Taco Fall was guarding Trey, uh, what's his name? Um, Trey Jones. Jones. Yeah. yeah. And so he just let him shoot all game and he was like one for 11 from three or something like that. So if Duke can't hit their outside shot, the paint gets clogged in and we've seen them struggle. Um, I just don't think North Carolina has any weakness per se. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're, 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 they're freshmen through seniors. They're all just stepping up. Roy Williams obviously is the Hall of Fame coach. Guys won national titles. Um, Kobe White is playing amazing. Might be the best point guard in the country right now. So they just got a lot of pieces. Uh, a lot of seniors on that team. I think they're the most complete team in college. So I'd have them right now winning the championship. Um, playing against... it. It's tough. I'd have to, I'd have to say Duke maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think Kentucky can beat North Carolina in the in the Elite Eight. I think they're in the same yeah. in the same bracket, right? Yeah. Okay. I don't think they can beat um, North Carolina in the Elite Eight. So, um, yeah, I think I don't think Michigan has I don't think Michigan State has a chance against Duke. I'm sorry, Auburn might give trouble to. Uh, to North Carolina, but I think North Carolina gets their wins it against Duke. I think we get a a fourth round of is that fourth? Yeah, yeah. four. It's It'd four. be round four of Duke UNC. Yeah, yep. That's what I got. I mean, that's on. That's what I picked in my in my two main brackets. That I spent a lot of time on, and it just makes the most sense. I mean, like you said, UNC is the most talented team, the most complete team, uh, and they haven't really shown a lot of weakness. But another team, I think. I mean, they, they can't really be counted as an underdog because they are a one seed, but Gonzaga has looked really good. I was kind of worried with their St. Mary's uh, defeat that they'd be struggling with. <laughs> that bit. was bad. But, I mean, they took care of Florida State by 14. Yep. One of the hottest teams, um, yep. especially coming out of the ACC going to the championship game. That's no fluke. So they took care of Gonzaga, or they took care of Florida State, and they're in, they're in the Elite Eight for the third time in the past five years. Mm-hmm. They're no longer... Uh, a mid-major Cinderella school. No, they're definitely yeah. here to stay. Yeah. And so... They probably got, have the best athlete left in, I mean, in, in all of college basketball. What's his name? Uh, Clark. Oh. He's, a, he's just a monster yeah. of an athlete. So... Yeah. It helps to, go, helps to have a guy like that. Yeah. And currently, right now, the uh, Texas Tech-Michigan game is at halftime. Yeah. I'd have them playing in the Final Four. Um... Alongside, well, let's see who who would it be. They'd, who would it be on be that? Duke. Right, they're playing Duke in the final four. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so that that'd be my final four. So it'd be Duke, Texas Tech, and then it would be. Um, I don't know. I'm going to take Purdue over Virginia. Uh, yeah. No, I I think that's a safe pick. So I go Purdue, <laughs> Purdue, North Carolina, Duke, Texas Tech. Yeah. No, I think that's that's safe. Uh, I think what I'm going with right now, I'm I'm probably going to take three one seeds, and I'm going to go Duke, Gonzaga, UNC, and I'll throw Purdue in there. I think Purdue's been playing really well, and I was watching um, the post game show of the Purdue Tennessee game, and one of the announcers likened the run that Purdue has to the UConn and Kemba run from a couple years back, mm-hmm. and I think it's safe to say that Carson Edwards can be put in that conversation if he starts 
or if he continues to put up games like he's had because he had 42 in the second round and he had 28 this round. Yeah. So he, it, he for a size, for a guy his size, he's he's pretty much unguardable by a lot of these guys, mm-hmm. which is which like speaks a lot to how much he's worked on his game. Yeah. Because guys that size don't don't get the respect and 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 love that a lot of other bigger guys would get that can do the same thing, but he can do pretty much everything that you're looking for in your guard, mm. and he's not your typical guard size. So. Yeah. And he struggled with free throws, so hopefully that doesn't come back to bite yeah. him. Yeah. But I wish he would have struggled a little more today. <laughs> but <laughs> Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, it's going to be an exciting tournament, I think, even though we haven't seen a lot of upsets in these later rounds and the top seeds are kind of moving on. But I'm excited to see where this goes. And... I mean, for upset's sake, I'm hoping Oregon can pull it out and move on. I think that'd be great. Let me just pose the question. If if Oregon does take out Virginia, this is back-to-back years where we've put Virginia as a number one seed, and they've lost in the first round to a 16 seed, which has never been done before, and then now they've lost to a 12 seed. Do we start questioning Virginia like at all, like forever? I mean, honestly, it's got to start with the coach. I think if they're not winning games... It's, is that fireable? Arguably. I mean, if you look at Virginia, they're in the ACC. They command success every year. And they've had talented teams in the regular yeah. season. But when you go, because a lot of the way that this league, there's a big turnover yeah. from teams. So if he's got a whole new team this year and he still can't get it done against a 12 seed, I would say you give him one more year. And if he doesn't get past, if he doesn't make it to the Elite Eight, I think you fire him. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you You can't be getting that much talent and not doing anything with it. In that sense, I, yeah, they, they kind of remind me of when LeBron was still in the East. It just they were the Toronto Raptors, you know, they yeah. were the mm-hmm. the Milwaukee Bucks. It's just mm-hmm. like amazing regular seasons. Yeah, well, that's why that's why Dwayne Casey got fired with the Raptors. Yeah, is he couldn't win. Yeah, and I think it's even more in college because you've got, I mean, you're playing you don't against, get a seven game series. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You've got one game to get your guys ready. Yeah, you just take it one game at a time, and uh, yeah, being on the wrong side of history hurts, but. Yeah. If you lose again to Oregon, who knows where that's going to put you. I don't want to be Tony Bennett, though. I know that for sure. But transitioning here, it is a national holiday. It's opening day. For some people. For some people. Hopefully people listening to this podcast, they treat it as a national holiday. I know I do. I'm very excited for the uh, beginning of the MLB season. Correct. It got going today. It did, yeah. And I want to take you through a couple storylines um, from performances that we've seen today. And I want to get your take if this is an overreaction or if this is just uh, nothing to worry about. It's just a fluke one game out of a 162-game season. So the first one, uh, Chris Sale, the Boston Red Sox, was signed to a massive five-year, $150 million extension, and he earned it. He played Correct. like uh, an ace for any team last season. Really talented. Winning the World Series helps. Winning the World Series does help, <laughs> yes, I agree. And he, he pitched relief in some games uh, and really came through for him. But in this game, he looked very human. Uh, he went three innings, seven earned runs, six hits, and two walks. Hmm. And that gives him an ERA of 21. So for those of you at home who may be wondering how the ERA stat is calculated, um, it's a lot of numbers, but basically the ERA will tell you how many runs a pitcher will allow if they pitch nine innings. So if he had pitched a full nine innings, the earned run average would have said that he would have allowed 21 runs in the entire game. So they got smacked around by the Mariners and lost 12-4. to So 
is Chris Sale starting to regress? Now, I know the the prime for pitchers is later uh, in their career because it kind of mm-hmm. goes longer, to, well, depending on what they throw. Right. But is this just a one-game fluke, or is it is Chris Sale going to have a down year? Um, I think this is just one game fluke. I think he's, I think he's proven to be one of the best pitchers in baseball. Um, and being that front runner, that number one guy for Boston last year obviously proved to be something right. Cause I mean, they won the World Series and I don't think you can say they win it as easily if he's not pitching on the mound, right? Mm-hmm. So. First game of the year. I think we have 161 left, correct? Yeah. I think he'll, I think the Boston Red Sox will be perfectly fine. Okay, now, the team that they played had a couple games, so it wasn't technically opening day because the Mariners and the Athletics played two games in Japan. Correct. Where Ichiro hung up his jersey, retired for the final time in his home country. So, the Mariners are 3-0 right now. Yeah. In a, in a season where many people consider it to be a rebuilding year. Because they lost stars like Robinson Cano, like uh, James Paxton, uh, Edwin Diaz, their star closer from last year, and um, Gene Segura. So, but but they're they've won the first three games of the season. Now yeah. is this a they sign? just beat the world champions? They just beat the world champions. Is this a sign of things to come for the Mariners or? Are they gonna, are they gonna just have another down year? Because if you remember, they put up 89 wins last season, hmm. which should make, should be good enough for the playoffs. Yeah. But they missed it by eight games because yeah. the, the A's put up 97 wins. Yeah. It's interesting because I think of baseball sometimes, and it's just kind of one of those sports where any team all of a sudden can just, just rise because of how simple the game is. Mm-hmm. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, like in the NFL, you, you need a good quarterback to make the playoffs nine times out of ten. Mm-hmm. Um, you need a defense. In the, in the NBA, you need a superstar. In baseball, these are all pros, and if, I mean, if, if they can just hit the ball, you can get, you can get runs in, um, you can get people going. I've, I've found that teams that usually we think are rebuilding in baseball, sometimes are the ones that win 80, 90 games, and mm-hmm. you're just wondering where it came from. Yeah. Like, I mean, aren't the A's a perfect, I mean, uh, yeah, the athletics a perfect example. What, last year, a couple of years ago, everybody thought they were garbage and they won like a 97. Yeah, they, uh, they made 80, the playoffs. Yeah, 98 games. Yeah, yeah. So I think, I don't know, we'll see. They're 3 0. But, uh, I think baseball is one of those sports where you, you just kind of never know, you know? Yeah. So. Well, they have one of the longest playoff droughts in any sport. Yeah. It's been a number of years since they've, since they've made it. Well, they won the World Series, what, in, in, did they win, was it in 01? I think it was 01. That was the last time they've been. So 18 years. 18 yeah. year playoff drought. Yeah. Here's hoping it ends this year. Cause I'll. Hey, 3-0? Yeah, I'll be up to, to visit them this Sunday. That's right. Mariners Red Sox. So. That's right. We'll see how strong the Mariners team really is. They could be what, 5-0, 4-0 by that time? Yeah. That's they true. Be, yeah. 162-0. It could happen. <laughs> okay, so another one of the big stories is, uh, Craig Kimbrell. And Dallas Keiko are, are still yet to be signed by any team. Now, obviously, the games have already started, so there were there were rumors that Craig Kimbrell was going to set out for this year, and hopefully command a bigger salary next year. Now, we saw how that worked out with Le'Veon Bell, terribly. So, do you really think that they'll pull through with this, or are there teams that may sign them? And who, 
where where do they go? Where are they gonna where are they gonna sign? I think if a contender was to call them up and give them a promising role, I I don't think they would pass by it. I think if you're an athlete, you want to play the game, and if you really love the game, you'll find a way to play the game and make it work. Mm-hmm. Um, Kimbrell was always a really funny guy to watch pitch because of his weird his weird stance on the mound. Uh, and it was fun to watch people behind the, the home plate kind of mock him when he would do it. Um, but I mean, he was on that Red Sox team and he was a pretty darn good closer. Mm-hmm. And so I think, um, I think, they, I think he'll find a team maybe before Keiko does. Um, just cause I think closers are, are like evenly more important, you know, nowadays. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, especially in baseball, because one hit could just change your, the whole game, you know. Mm-hmm. So if you can have a guy that can really close it out. I think, uh, I think for sure, he can, he will find a job, maybe faster than an ace will. I know the Rangers could use an ace. That is very true. They had they had Mike Miner on the Mike Miner was on the mound and he lasted, uh, I believe, it was four innings. Yeah, they they got tossed around. They lost twelve to four today to the Cubs. Yeah, so there's teams that can use an ace. Um, I think there's a handful of teams. I think Kimbrell gets a job before Keigel does. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Okay, so you mentioned before that baseball is a game that kind of has surprises and teams will come up out of nowhere. So to finish off this segment of baseball, I want you to give me uh, your that team. I want you to say that team that we're not really thinking about right now, kind of under the radar, but... They're going to make some noise. I'm not maybe not make the playoffs, but they're going to have an above 500 record, and they're going to surprise some people this year. Um, I'd have man, that's tough. Um, I wish I followed the sport to a greater extent to know in detail. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know because, <clears throat> excuse me, I I have some friends that I that I communicate with on Twitter, and they're Mets fans, and. Man, they have been, they were so disappointed last year with everything that happened. Mm-hmm. And so they've been waiting for the Mets to, to be good again. And so I think this is the year they can be good again. Um, I think they have the best pitcher in baseball. Oh, yeah. Uh, DeGrom mm-hmm. by far is yeah. best pitcher in baseball. And now they have Robinson Cano. You mentioned him mm-hmm. leaving the Mariners. Um, I think the Mets might be that team that we saw from maybe I think it was three, four years ago mm-hmm. that were pretty, pretty darn good, and they fell off. I think this is, I think this is a pretty good year for for the Mets. So I'm actually gonna, I'm gonna for my team because I'm gonna throw my uh, throw an idea out there. They're actually, the team that played and defeated the Mets in the World Series 2015. I'm gonna go with the the Royals. Okay. So Aldoberto Monesti, which is the uh, son of Raul Monesti. I don't know, you may remember him playing in the majors a couple years back. Maybe. But he's one of the top uh, prospects that have come out of this season, and he's kind of garnered a lot of hype. And another guy flying under the radar, uh, Whit Merrifield, one of the best second basemen. Well, he's, he's, he's more of a utility guy, but he's a speedy uh, 29, 30-year-old who kind of came out of nowhere last year. Had him on my fantasy team, so that's the main reason why oh, okay. I Okay, there you go. There you uh, go. I know, know the, of the plug. who he is. And then, um, you know, you've just got a bunch of young guys, and the Royals have done it before. Mm-hmm. I mean, they've put together teams that um, that have won when we didn't really expect them to. I was just surprised that that team was like a one and done. They won and then they just fell off a cliff yeah. the next year. Well, yeah, because they had, I mean, yeah, because this isn't the same team they had before with 
uh, Lorenzo Cain, mm-hmm. Mike Moustakis, Eric Cosmer, Zach Grinke. Yeah. Like, they, they honestly just couldn't pay those guys, and they had to move on from them. Right. But I think that they're built, uh, that, that small payroll team, like the A's, uh, that can make a run like that. So I'm excited to see what happens this baseball season. But uh, be sure, we'll be talking about baseball a lot more on the podcast, I'm sure. Because uh, it's a good time. I enjoy it. So hopefully the listeners enjoy it too. But I want to transition here into our final topic. So the NFL uh, made a rule change. Kind of came out of nowhere. Correct. The uh, pass interference calls or non-calls are now reviewable in the league. So I want I want to get your take on that. What do you think? Is that a good thing? Is that a bad thing? Uh, and where do you think that puts the future of the the NFL? Um. Well, I, I, let's see. I have the um. I have the actual rule here, so so your listeners can understand what the what the rule is. Okay. Um. So they voted to allow replay reviews on pass interference calls as well as non calls. Under, I believe is outside of two minutes, and then under the two minutes, it'll go to the booth. Okay. Okay. Um, and this is both offensive and pass inter- then defensive pass interference. So it goes on both sides. They can review it. So, um, the coaches just kind of decided that they wanted to get it right. That was kind of the, the word that came out of the meetings, that they just wanted to get something right. Um, and they feel like this rule is the one that was right. Ironically, it's kind of funny. The Bengals were the only team that voted against this rule. Not really sure why that matters, but it was 31 to 1 the vote. Um, so that's what the, that's what the rule is. How I feel about it. I don't, I don't like it because I think we're trying to be clearer and yet we're going to add more fuzziness to the picture. Mm-hmm. Simply because I think this is a rule and we talked about it today on the radio show. We mentioned that this rule is the deadliest rule in all of sports, in my opinion, because this penalty can take you from the 10-yard line to the opposite 40-yard line. It can be a 55-yard penalty mm-hmm. in no time. And if you're in the end zone, it's a penalty that you get at the one-yard line. So this this type of penalty can change the entire complexion of a football game, especially late. And so I think the fact that they're paying so much attention to this rule and not letting the players kind of play this rule out um, is going to be a problem. Um, especially in, look, the plays, the, the play that we saw in the championship game, the NFC championship game, that was, that was brutal. That was a, so bad of a miss. And I understand if we want to go back and change that stuff. But if we're now going to start reviewing because guys were slapping their arms down the field, what do you do about Hail Marys? We talked about that today on the show also. Mm-hmm. What do you, I mean, what do you do about a Hail Mary? There's, there's like seven guys hitting each other all over the place. What if you see four penalties? What do you call? What do you not call? I think it's just going to create a lot of confusion, a lot of fuzziness that really shouldn't be in the game considering the amount of rules and replays and cameras that we already have into football. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I think that we forget that the referees are human and they're going to make mistakes. Obviously, yeah. a play like that, I'm not saying that that you know you should just let blatant missed calls like that in the NFC Championship game go by, but that sort of thing's going to happen. And I think that they're regressing in the sense we talked about this on the on the radio show as well. But the way that the NBA worked it is uh, 
that in the in under two minutes the coaches can only have two timeouts. So however many timeouts they had before, they're left with two, which speeds up the uh, time of the game considerably. Right. But with this rule, the NFL is going to take away from the rawness and the emotion and the realness of the game by saying this was a fourth down conversion or a third down conversion, whatever it was, but we need to go back and review it right. and take five minutes, ten minutes, kill the energy and the buzz in the stadium because they want to make sure they get it right. They're so focused on getting it right that they're forgetting about the that emotion from the game. And here's what could be even worse. What's really going to tick people off and and I said this today, I don't think this this rule last past week five or six was really gonna tick people off is if you if if people decide to challenge if coaches decide to challenge off the ball pass interference mm-hmm. stuff. You know, yeah. like for example, if, if it's third and five and I throw you a pass and you catch it, there's no foul where the ball was. But if a coach all of a sudden from upstairs gets a message from his assistant Hey, throw the challenge flag. They might have said an illegal, you know, a pick or whatever. Mm-hmm. He's going to throw the flag and it's going to, now we're, now we're looking at things that didn't even affect the play that just happened. You mm-hmm. get what I'm saying? Yeah. I think that's going to make fans extremely upset. Um, and you really just kill the mood. We, we already have too many stoppage of times now. I think it'll kill the mood big time. Yeah. Uh, the one thing that a spinoff league that's going on this year in the spring, the, Alliance of American Football does. Yep. I like the way that they run this. So they have a guy up in the booth. So for all the challenges and all the penalties and everything, he's the one that's watching over it. And we we're talking about this before the show. He can actually stop the play. Right. In in the game and say, hey, this was a call. Or in the in the cha- if they challenge it, he's already looking at it and he tells them exactly what to do. And we get an inside look into the booth of what he's saying. Yeah, it's really sad that uh, that a spinoff. Football league is figuring this thing out more mm-hmm. than the NFL. Yeah. Um. The, yeah. It's it's called us. He's a sky judge, and they have a sky cam, and so the cameras are uh, hovering over the field, and he's watching the whole game, and he's got the rule book, and he has somebody else there with him, and they can overturn blatant missed calls. They can do that. Um. In in the middle of the game, they can stop the game. What I also think is is awesome is that when they do challenges in the AAF. You hear everything mm-hmm. while you're watching the game. You hear everything that's being discussed between the ref and the guys upstairs. So I think if the fans could see that in the NFL, if we had a guy who could do that, who's watching the game, if we could listen into what's happening, you know, as a little kid, you always, you know, wanted to be the ref to challenge and you would like go in the corner when your little flag football games mm-hmm. and, and this conversation was secret. But we're noticing that people in the AF they're liking it because now the fans are like, oh, okay, that's why they decided to go that way. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, uh, our our San Antonio Commanders are yeah, first five and two. Yeah, five and two, first in the Western Conference. Uh, but there was a report that came out today or yesterday saying that the Alliance of American Football is potentially going to be um, is going to fold. They're going to run out of money. They're going bankrupt. Um, and they're asking for help from the NFL. Yeah. And we touched on this a little bit on the radio show. Why not? Why not, if you're the NFL, have a development league? Because you see in the NHL, the NBA, the MLB, they've all got development leagues. And this, the best part is, is it's away from the NFL season so that it's not overlapping. Cause I, I think that's what's the trouble with a lot of like the, uh, the G League 
and the AAA, AA, single A in mm-hmm. baseball mm-hmm. is that they're going on at the same time as the the professional, like the the top level. And so it doesn't get as much interest. But here, this is a totally different season. Right. It's at a totally different time. And so I don't see why why they wouldn't. Because you've got star players. Johnny Menzel just joined, playing for Memphis now. Mm-hmm. And you've got the guy who started for the Panthers the last two weeks, Garrett Gilbert. Yep. He's he's in the league. You've got uh, Texas A&M former quarterback Trevor Knight. You've got LSU former quarterback Zach Mettenberger. Christian Hackenberg is in there, Christian too. Hackenberg. Trent Richardson. Yep. Had a, a couple stints in the in the NFL, um, and honestly, I think that the people that benefit the most is kickers. Yeah, they get I, a chance to to, I, to keep going. Yeah, because that's the that's the biggest need in the NFL right now, mm-hmm. and that kind of gives them more exposure to say, "Hey, I can make these kicks." Like one of my favorite stories was the uh, the San Diego San Diego Fleet kicker. Is that is that is right? it, uh, is is it, it Nick right? Folk? No, no, no it's no, a different he, guy. Um, but he kicks for the. For the Apollos, I think. San Diego, what is it? Fleet? I think I said Fleet. Yeah, San Diego Fleet. San Diego Fleet. So the... What's his name? I'm trying to find it. It's interesting that they... um, I don't think they should ever run out of players to plug into the oh, league. No, because no question. I mean, the NFL, NFL teams have so many guys in their practice squad mm-hmm. that would just love to play. Yeah. And so... Oh, no question. I don't think they're going to have an issue bringing guys in... The only problem is, um, you, you, you have to have the money, obviously. And, uh, one of the majority owners, uh, Tom Dundon told USA Today on, uh, he said, if the players union is not going to give us young players, we can't be a development league. We're looking at our options, one of which is discontinuing the league. Um, and so Dundon told USA Today he expects to decide on the league's future by the end of the week. The AAF announced February 19th. That Dundon, the owner of the NHL's Carolina Hurricanes, had committed $250 million to the league to become the chairman of the Alliance Board of Directors. Um, it, it's going to be interesting. I, I'm, we're, we're pulling big for our San Antonio Commanders, uh, as they are. I believe they're five and two. Five and two, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I'm going to have to check, but I think they are. Um, did you find the, did you find I did. the kicker? So, uh, Donnie, Donnie Hagman. Kicked the game winner in uh, in week five, and the way that he made the team was he sent a, a DM. He DM the the AAF about a tryout for a team potentially. Okay. So he'd, he'd been talked he talked to them before, and then um, he was granted a tryout. He was on the team, and then a week later, was kicking game winning field goals. I mean, that's that's a pretty good story, I'd say, and that's something that uh, gives us. It just gives us more. More examples for that to happen, and more of those comeback stories uh, that we we may not get in the NFL because mm-hmm. it's such a highly competitive league and not a lot of room for development. They are five and two. They are five and two. They are five and two. Yep. Last game will be on Friday, April um, April twelfth. That'll be the last game that they play. So, to, listen, a ten week season after the Super Bowl, I could live with that. I I don't see why. I don't see what the What's wrong with that? Yeah. If I'm if I'm a fan of because of it football. leads it, it still gives you the break from football because mm-hmm. you really the last time we'll really get into football is going to be the month of April. We'll probably discuss everything that happened in the draft, and you still get the break from May to about June. Everybody's doing their own you know off season training, and then we get back together in August. So you still get your break, but I think this is really cool to have ten weeks of 
of some extra football, especially if there's some guys in there that you've seen before. Mm-hmm. You know, definitely. It's fine. They just got to find a way to get some money now. I yeah, guess exactly. It's the only way to do it. I mean, I'm all for a merger. I hope the NFLPA is shares that same opinion. Yeah, no, we talked about this, and I think you just mentioned it a couple minutes ago. All these other professional leagues, they have they have farm mm-hmm. leagues. Yep. Uh, you you said it this morning. The baseball has like six different leagues that you can get into to, mm-hmm. to to get to work your way up to the majors, right? Yeah. And so, I think it'd be really cool if each NFL team had a farm team, or at least you know if you made sixteen AAF teams, each NFL could like pull players from two to you know two teams, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and it would give guys an incentive to be better because you could say, hey, look, maybe you're just coming off an injury. Why don't you go play in the AAF for a couple weeks and then come back up? Mm-hmm. Um, something to think about. Yeah. And, I mean, they're making good money. Yeah. Uh, everyone signed a three-year, quarter-of-a-million-dollar contract. Yeah. It's going to be about $80,000 a year for playing 10 weeks of football. <laughs> I mean, that's that's a pretty good deal. You know, you can make money throughout the rest of the year holding camps, you know, endorsements, whatever. But... I mean, if I'm making $80,000 a year, I'd have a pretty good wage, in my opinion. But I think we're just about running out of time. So yes. Thank you, Kelvin, for, for being on. Yeah, no problem. Anytime. Make sure to check out his radio show, uh, especially if you want to see me live and him see live. Jonathan's face, yeah. On video. Yeah. Uh, Joko Community Radio. That's the Facebook page, or you can just like our Facebook page. We share the videos there as well. Awesome. Yeah. All right, guys. So we've got T-shirts and stickers. Still available. The code NGLPOD, you can use that for 20% off t-shirts. Don't want to miss out. 20% off. That's our spring break sale. It ends Sunday night. So stay tuned, guys. We've got a lot more blogs coming. We've got more episodes, more guests. It's going to be a lot of fun. Thanks for listening.